My name is Dwight, I'm one of the pastors here at Church 21. Um, I really am thankful to be able to be together. I know not in person, but to be able to utilize technology, it really is such a gift and we bemoan the fact that we have to do things on Zoom and live stream and all these things again. Um, but if we embrace this as a gift given to us uh, by God that he, he knew what was coming and allowed for technology, technology, and getting all my words mixed up, but allow for technology uh, to go ahead of us uh, so that we could actually do this together. Um, we can come this morning together with, with a thankful heart. Um, so really thankful to be together, and um, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, which Trenton just read for us, and I, I want to pray again very quickly about something very specific. Uh, Jesus, would you help us this morning to forget ourselves? Would you help us to turn our eyes to you, um, and would you... Um, would you become so large that it would only be you that's in our vision? We love you. Amen. You know, we forget all sorts of things in life. We have task lists, we have reminders, we have alarms because we forget. But the one thing that we rarely forget about is ourselves. We're very good at remembering ourselves. We're very good at remembering our needs and the things that we need to take care of ourselves. And if you've ever been on an airplane, which I'm assuming most of you have been, maybe not in the recent past, but uh, one of the realities is that they tell you about this oxygen mask, that in the event that this thing ends up where you're going to die, uh, an oxygen mask is going to fall down, and you're going to be able to somehow, because of pure oxygen, accept the fact of what's taking place. But they don't tell you that. Here's the thing they do tell you. When the oxygen mask drops, please put it on your own face before you help someone else with it. Now, that sounds really good, and it's probably the right thing to do, but the thing is, that message is a predominant message in our culture today. Take care of yourself. Make sure you're focused on yourself. Self-care, self-medication, self-advancement, self-preservation, self-esteem, selfish. That's the message that we're getting all the time. Now, not all those things are bad in and of themselves, but we're obsessed with them. We as a society are obsessed with them, and maybe you or I as an individual is obsessed with them as well. But here's the thing. We focus so much on ourselves that we end up destroying ourselves. In this day and age where we get so much content around self, so many of us aren't doing well. We get to be by ourselves in our homes, all locked up away from people. All the stuff is saying this should be the best place for you because you can really care for yourself, but what's happening? We're destroying ourselves. Self-care, self-advancement, self-preservation. I don't think we were made for those things in and of themselves. I do believe that we were made to do some of these things. I believe we were made to care. I believe we were, we're supposed to help people advance. I believe that we're supposed to um, walk with other people. And that's just it, isn't it? That we're not supposed to do it with ourselves, but for others. You see, Jesus cares so much about this issue that he won't let you stay fixated on yourself. He won't let us stay focused on, on, on our belly button and be navel gazers, thinking that the whole world spins around the axis of us. You see, Jesus cares about you more than you'll ever care about yourself. And that's what he's going to get at in the text that Trenton read for us and we're going to look at this morning. So we're back in the book of Mark. And from this point forward, this is beginning Jesus' death march to Jerusalem. Jesus, in, in the book of Luke, so Old 
Testament and then New Testament. New Testament begins with the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. And we get four accounts of that from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four different angles in on that. And in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says that Jesus set his face, like you'd set a compass to go a certain direction. Jesus set his face on purpose to go to Jerusalem to die. You see, when we think about Jesus as a victim, that's just not true. That's not the real thing that happened. Jesus intentionally led himself, or led by the Spirit of God, was led to Jerusalem so that he could die. And he knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. It wasn't an accident. In Mark chapter 10, verse 32, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. You see, Jesus wasn't um, bemoaning the fact. He wasn't sulking. And they're like, oh, what's wrong, Jesus? He's like, well, I'm going to die. You know, like, I don't want to die. You know, you guys don't, you're not even caring about me. And I'm going to see that in a second. He doesn't do that. Jesus is out ahead of the pack. And it says in verse 32, Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who were following were afraid. There were two different groups of people. One group knew that Jesus was going to die. And they're astonished that Jesus had his chin up and is walking forward in this way. But the others were afraid because they weren't sure if they were going to get drug into this as well. But Jesus is moving on purpose. And we'll see later more about that reality. But he has his disciples with him. And uh, Mark focuses in on this encounter that, that he has with James and with John. Now, James and John know that they have limited time. They've heard Jesus' pronouncement that he's going to Jerusalem to die. They know that they have a very small window left. And so they approach Jesus. And listen to what they approach him with. Verse 35 to 37 of Mark 10. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want for you to do for us whatever we ask of you, right? That's an awesome way to front something, right? You're going shopping. Mom, dad, we want you to do whatever we're going to ask of you. Just one thing we're going to ask, right? But you have no idea what that's going to be. Jesus said to them, well, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand in your glory. What a touching account, isn't it? They know that Jesus is going to die, right? He's walking toward his execution. They're like, hey, Jesus, real quick, can we look at your will? Can you pull that out real quick? Because we just want to make sure that we have proper placement when you actually enter into your kingdom. Isn't that, aren't those the friends you want, right? That they'll be with you. They're going to bail later, but they'll be with you in this moment. They just want to make sure that they're written in to your stuff. Now, here's the thing that we know about James and John. They loved Jesus. They really do. They knew that he was king. They believed that he was the king that was sent, not just for Israel, but for the entire world. They believed this. But here's what they're doing. They're calling shotgun on the benefits. Right? Have you ever done that? Um, many of you maybe don't ride in cars because you live downtown and that's not a thing. And you can't call shotgun on an Uber. They might think you actually have a shotgun and might drive away. But the idea is that if you see, now these are the proper rules that I grew up with. As soon as you see the car, you can call shotgun, which means you can sit in the front seat. And this is essentially what they're doing. And what they're asking for is, we want greatness and we want power. We don't want to just sit because we want to be close to you, Jesus, and like lean on you when we're tired. We want greatness and we want power. And we want everyone in your glory and your kingdom, when they look at King Jesus on his throne, there's James and John at the right and the left. 
This is very opportunistic, isn't it? But you and I have done this, haven't we? There's time running out for something or for someone. And we see, oh man, I better take advantage of this thing or this person now. And maybe you didn't act on it, but it went on in your heart. And what that reveals is that we actually believe that life is all about me. That we do need to look out for me as number one. That we need to be opportunistic. That we need to take advantage of people and things and situations to manipulate something in such a way that I get what I want. Which ultimately is showing you what your God actually is. You see, in James and John's statement, they were saying to Jesus, you know what? You're really good, but you're not my ultimate. Sitting in a place of power and greatness, that's my ultimate. Saying to the one that life is all about, we like you, we just love this. This is our hearts too. Now, I just want to point out that this group of teenagers that are following Jesus, that are his disciples, this was Jesus' plan A. These are the last few days of his life. Now, if you're Jesus, what are you thinking? Dang it, I should have headhunted other people. You know, I should have hired better people to get better disciples. Like, what are we going to do now? Jesus, Jesus could have prayed, Dad, I can't leave yet. Look at the mess that I'm left with. No, 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 he doesn't do that. Even though he's surrounded by self-fixated people in the final moments of his life, look at what he does in verse 41. Or no, rather, look at what the other people are doing. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Look at what the other people are doing. When the 10 heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. Okay, so you have these two guys, self-fixated, and then you have these other 10 who are like, oh, James and John, how could you ever do that thing? Yeah, right, come on. They're just upset because they didn't think of it first. They're just upset because they didn't call shotgun, right? It's not fair, you always get shotgun. You always get to do this. Right? So this is what's going on in the hearts of all of the people around Jesus. What does Jesus do? Now let me go to the point that I got to just a second ago. What does Jesus do? Does he make it all about himself? Guys, come on. Give me a, give me a little credit here. Like, focus on me. Come on. I'm going to die. Don't you care about that at all? No, he doesn't do that at all. Jesus is full of patience. He's full of love. He knew that these guys were self-fixated. He knew that they were self-obsessed. He knew that they were narcissists at times. And he loved them anyway. And he came for them because he was their only hope. And what does he do? He teaches. He teaches. Because he knows this, that this fixation to make ourselves great is in us. He knows that it's in all of us. That we're, we want power. We want control. We want approval. We want authority. We want all these things. We just go about it the wrong way. And I would even say we're made for those things. We're made for power. We're made for authority. We're made for greatness, just not on our own. We don't get it by ourselves. You see, Jesus came to make us great. I just want to stop and think about that for a second. Jesus came to make you great. That's astounding. You probably didn't wake up thinking about that meditation this morning. Jesus, thank you so much for coming to make me great. And if you did pray that, you probably thought, man, my prayer life's a little jacked up. It seems like it's more about me than it is about him. But the reality is, is that Jesus came to make us great. It's just not as we expect. It rarely is with Jesus. So listen to what Jesus says in verse 38. After they said, please let us sit in your right and left hand in glory with power and all that stuff that we want. Jesus said to them, 
you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am being baptized? He says, you don't know what you're asking. You don't grasp my path. You don't, you don't fully, you can't wrap your minds around what's coming. Because this cup and this baptism that Jesus was talking about wasn't a literal cup that he was holding. You're not able to drink this. You're not old enough yet, right? It's this idea that suffering and death is coming. Suffering and death is coming. Are you you able to do that? And are you able to take the cup of the full wrath of God against all people and drink that and be baptized into death? They didn't get it. You see, when we have our eyes fixated on something other than Jesus, we often miss Jesus and what he's doing because we just want him to do the thing that we want him to do rather than get behind the thing that he wants to do. We're not very good at forgetting ourselves. We're really good at remembering ourselves in front of Jesus and asking him to get behind our plan. But Jesus helps his, his, his friends, his followers, his disciples, those that he loved. John was called the disciple that Jesus loved. He helps them understand greatness in the kingdom of God comes actually by forgetting oneself. Greatness doesn't come in the kingdom of Jesus by having a platform to stand on where everyone looks at you and says, wow, they are amazing. They're so influential. Wow, I didn't understand the word of God like that. Oh my goodness, they're so incredible. That's not greatness in the kingdom of God. Now, before we go into this account of what Jesus teaches, I want for us to place ourselves in the spot of the disciples. Okay, we have to do this in scripture. Let's put ourselves in the disciples' place because the air that we breathe The air that we breathe on a regular basis is longing to influence. I was listening to 97.7 a few weeks ago, and um, I heard that they were were talking about the different things that kids want to be when they grow up. And actually, number one right now is doctors, surprisingly. So that's good news for our healthcare system, probably. But the number two is a YouTube influencer which is also good because you can stay at home and, you know, social distance and all that stuff. Um, But that's the number two thing the kids want to be. YouTube influencers. Everyone wants to be an influencer. Everyone wants to grow up and have a voice and be great. Everyone wants to have a platform. And it's not a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing because what are you going to have a platform for? But how? How are you going to become great? If you have greatness, desires for greatness in your heart, how are you going to be great? And whose opinion actually matters to you? Whose opinion matters? Whose voice actually counts? That when they say, oh, you are great, that moves you. That moves you. Now let's go into Jesus' teaching in verse 42 to 45. And Jesus called them to him. Now, I mean, this is just staggering. That Jesus is on his way to die. If this is me, I'm very focused on like what this is going to be like. And I'm thinking like through pain levels. And I'm going through like how long can I endure this? And why do these people keep arguing behind me about who's the greatest? And I'm annoyed at that point. I get annoyed very easily about a lot of things. But Jesus calls them to himself and said, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great, you must be your servant. 
Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus speaking about himself, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Do you know people who use their their position to show the power and privilege that they have? Um, Have you ever been pulled over before? And you've been made to feel very, very little. The way that, that this person with authority has actually overstepped, right? They do have authority to pull you over, but maybe not to say some of the things that they do in the way that they say them. Do you know people who use their position to show power and privilege? Some of the most dangerous people are managers, right? You get promoted one step up and you get the little, little badge that says manager and it's like, look out. I don't know if you've ever watched Superstore. I don't remember if it's a good show or not. I watch the pilot season. But like when you become a manager in that Superstore, it's like, look out because you have all power and authority and they are going to show you. And they make you feel very little. Jesus is saying, you know those guys, right, boys? You know those guys. That can't be you. That's not how greatness rolls in my kingdom. It doesn't mean that when you become great, you get to wear a little hat and stand at the top of a building and declare over a city a, a sermon. It doesn't mean you get to wear like better, better robes or you get a little thing with incense and you get to do all these little bells and whistles. Like That's not greatness in the kingdom of God. That's not it. See, kingdom of God greatness comes by being a servant and actually a slave to all. Now, some of us want to play with that word all. Okay, but what does Jesus really mean with all? Like, does he mean everyone? Yep, that's what that word all means, everyone. It means that if if you are a follower of Jesus, that you have now become a servant to everyone. There is no one and nothing below you. That's staggering, isn't it? Because we all have our ideas, we all have hierarchies in our, in our minds about this is where I stand and this is where they stand, but this is where they stand. And actually in the kingdom of God, there are no, there's no caste system. There's no socioeconomic levels. It's that everyone in the kingdom of God is now a servant to everyone in the world. No one and nothing is below you. And here's what, what comes with this. Servants and slaves usually aren't noticed. Servants usually aren't noticed. I've never gone to a, a wedding and after, you know, the after party, the reception, you're waiting, and people who are bringing around glasses of champagne or hors d'oeuvres, I never leave there being like, you know what was awesome about this whole day, honey? Uh, that servant that brought me those olives on a little tray, like, man, I've never had anyone bring me olives like that before. Never. Now, you might go to a restaurant and, and comment on the service, but there's an ulterior motive there, isn't there? Because the better the service you give, the more money you usually get. So that's not really a servant. But in the kingdom of God, we are all servants and slaves to everyone, which means that we aren't going to be noticed. We're not going to be noticed. The other thing with servants and slaves is that you may be mistreated or taken advantage of. That's a reality. But in the kingdom of God, we're not working for greatness. Hear this. In the kingdom of God, we're not working for greatness. Rather, we're living from the greatness that we already received from Jesus. We live from the greatness that we already have because of him. And that makes all the difference in the world. 
When you live your life pandering, begging, walking around with a cup, hoping someone will make you feel great, you feel more empty. But when you can walk around with your cup overflowing, spilling out like I almost did with my coffee, right? And you're just walking around and you're like, what do you need? You know, and you're looking to give things away and you're looking to be free. Oh, what a difference that makes. It's like you're an alien from a different world because people just don't do that. They don't do that. And this is how Jesus worked. Jesus worked from the greatness that he had. Now, we already looked in the book of Mark far, well, a long time ago, really, that um, when Jesus was baptized, that the heavens opened up and there was this voice that proclaimed, my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus is working out of that. Oh, I'm a son of God. I'm the son of God. My, my greatness is already found. I don't need anything else. I don't need to pander from, from people. I have it from the one that, that, that everything is made through, for, and by. I'm free now to give my life away. See, Jesus knew that he was already loved and he was already accepted by the Father. And look at how Jesus served in verse 45. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This means that Jesus literally spent his life on others. Jesus didn't have a bucket list. What Jesus wants to do, where Jesus wants to tour, Jesus' bucket list was spent on others. He became poor so that you and I can become rich. And here's the thing this morning, January 9th, listen up. You are rich. You are loaded. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, the book of Ephesians tells us. This is our reality. We lack nothing. You lack nothing because of Jesus In Christ, we have it all, which means that we are now free. You are free. You might not feel free because of the situation and circumstances around you, but because of Jesus, you are free. And you are so free and you are so rich that you and I can now go and live self-forgetful lives. You see, when, when that coin drops into our hearts, we say, oh my goodness, I don't need to grab for anything anymore. I now get to take what I've already received and give it away. I get to go and I get to spend all of dad's stuff on others. That's what we get to do. Go and spend all of dad's stuff on others. In John chapter 13, Jesus uh, washes the disciples' feet. Right? This is just before he dies as well. Gets up and does what a slave or a house servant would have done. And he washes the, the feces and all of the nastiness off of the disciples' feet. And then in verse seven, 17 of John 13, he said, Blessed are you if you do these things. Not that you go around washing everyone's feet. right? And we did this one, one time a few years ago where we like washed people's feet. And people were like kind of grossed out by it. But I'm like, they just took off their socks, which kept their feet clean all day. You're kind of washing a clean foot already, right? But it's not, the, it's not the prescription of washing people's feet. It's the principle of it, that we're to go and do some of the lowliest things because we've been served so well by Jesus. You see, I think many of us admire Jesus. We just don't follow him. We really like the stuff that he does. We just don't want to do that stuff. 
And that's part of our issue. We still think that this is a spectator sport where we cheer on Jesus and we raise hands, we say amen, and he's like, okay, now go and do likewise. We're like, yeah, but probably someone else will do that. You see, Philippians, the, the verse that were read on, on the Zoom calls this morning, and I want to encourage you to please get on the Zoom calls. My goodness, we struggle to have community, and I know what's going to happen. Some of you are going to miss out on the Zoom calls, and a few months from now, you'll be like, I don't know, the church isn't providing any community for us. Hopefully, we're not still doing this months from now, but it's like we've been offering that the whole time. Right, So please, jump on these Zoom calls and listen in. But the Zoom calls, we, we read Philippians 2, 3 through 11. But let me read verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, and this is where it is, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he goes on to show why Jesus did this. Count others more important than you. Count others as more important than you. Ask Jesus for this type of self-forgetfulness. Listen to this quote from Tim Keller. He says, self-forgetfulness isn't thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself, but thinking of myself less. I'll say that again. Self-forgetfulness isn't thinking more of myself or less of myself. So being prideful or being despondent. They come from the same thing. Oh, I'm garbage. That's the same as pride. Just has a different side to it. Self-forgetfulness isn't thinking more of myself or less of myself. It's thinking of myself less. That the world is not all about me. That I'm not here so I can carpe diem for the rest of my life. I'm here so that I can give away my dad's stuff. Now let me say this. This is not going to come naturally. You're not going to listen to this sermon and be like, yeah, 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 I'm going to go and live a self-forgetful life. That's what I'm going to do. No, because you'll find out how selfish you really are. Right? Trying to do this in our own strength is not the solution. Right? That's religion. If you do this, God will approve of you. If you don't do this, God will disapprove of you. That's religion. The gospel is you're already approved of. You're already loved. You're already accepted. Now go live like this. You're free to. You can do this. You no longer have to live a selfish life. But how do we live a self-forgetful life? Well, we start with him. We start with him. We want more of him. We want to devour him. We want to consume him. This is what we do in a sense when we take communion week to week, that we get to consume in remembrance who Jesus is and what he has done. Um, we've never had, we've had some of our kids overeat at parties because it's like junk food, but we've never had them overeat vegetables. And yet those are the things that they really should be going after. I've never met someone who's like, man, I'm really over consuming God this week. I've really prayed too much. You know, I really feel like I'm too deep in scripture. I made it through the Bible and in a month, man, I feel like I'm too radical. Never had that, right? Just doesn't happen. But we start with him. We keep looking at him and what he's done. Listen to what Jesus said he came he was doing, came to do in Mark 10, verse 33 and 34. Jesus said, see, we're going up to Jerusalem and the son of man, meaning himself, will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him, spit on him, flog him and kill him. Jesus did all that for you. I don't know if you've ever been spat on before. I have. 
many times. To be spat on in the face is one of the most nasty things that can ever happen to you. Rather be punched in the face and spat on. And Jesus, in humility, took all of that. He took all of the punishment, all of the wrath, all of, all of the things that, that you and I should get, he took in our place. And then the good news is found in verse 34. And after three days, he will rise. See, Jesus intentionally forgot himself so that we could be remembered. Jesus forgot himself so that we could be remembered. And then he rose so that he could administer the remembrance to everyone. You will never be forgotten. So we start with him. We start being amazed at what he's done for us, that he would love us in this type of way. And then we ask for eyes to see others. We ask for eyes to see others. We pursue others for them. You see, so many times we pursue other people for what I can get out of it. We like to network. I want to know this person so that I can advance. No, no, no. I want to know this person so I can know them. I want to get to know them. That's it. I have no agenda. We get to know who they are, where they're from, what their hopes are, what their dreams are, what they're going through, and how they're looking for Jesus. That's it. Ask Jesus for eyes to see others and then pursue others for themselves. Pursue your family for themselves. Pursue coworkers for themselves. Pursue neighbors for themselves. Pursue friends for themselves. And dare I say, pursue enemies for themselves. You see, at one point, you and I were all an enemy of Jesus and he pursued us so that we would know him. So we start with him, we ask for eyes to see others, and then we use our resources as needs and opportunities arise. We all have the same amount of time, 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. Some of us are given more years to live than others, but we all have time. That time has been given not just for you to do you. It's for you to invest in others. You've been given money, not just for you, but so that you can provide for other people. If your budget only includes your needs, your budget's jacked up. Like you need to redo your budget. You're only a week into the year. You need to redo your budget. And you're like, yeah, but I don't make much money. You need to redo your budget. Yeah, but I'm barely getting by. You need to redo your budget. That God has made us to be generous. And maybe God wants to provide for you through other people, but you're not giving him a chance because your budget says, I just need to take care of myself. Generosity is not one of the things that any of God's people are excused from. And we're generous with money. We're also generous with our presence, right? For some of us, it's easier for us to just send money than to be there for someone, right? We like doing that. It's easy to write a check. No one writes checks anymore, really. It's easy to to e-transfer money. But it's harder to be there with people as you're walking through things. Some of us need to give away our material goods, the things that we love so much. And also some of us need to give encouragement. So how do we live a self-forgetful life? We start with him. We ask for eyes to see others. We pursue people for them. And then we use our resources for the needs and opportunities that arise. So let me, let me wrap this all up with, with this. Um, Jesus is hosting a massive party. This, this whole thing that we're, we're involved in, it's a big party. It doesn't feel like it sometimes, but it's a big party. We have been loved, accepted, and invited to the party. And the party is going to be forever. 
Okay, this is an eternal party that even when you die, it's just going to keep going on. It'll look different, but it'll keep going on. And at this party, Jesus will not forget you. I don't know if you've ever been invited to a party by someone and you feel like they just forget you at the party. But he's not going to forget you. He knows you're there. He's intentionally brought you there. He chose you. You didn't get in there by accident. He chose you to be in there. And here's what he's done. He's brought you into the kitchen and he said, okay, my family, I love you so much. You know I gave my life for you. I rose. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you platters. And what I want you to do is I want you to carry these platters around with my goods, all my stuff, and I want for you to go to work. I want for you to go in your neighborhood. I want for you to be at home with your family. I want for you to vacation. I want for you to be put in jail. I want for you to do all these things. And when you're there, I want you to serve my goods to the people. I'm sending you out as beloved children, not forgotten, to serve one another and to serve the world with my goods. And when you feel like you've run out, come back in the kitchen. I'm going to give you more. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be with you the whole time. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to bail out. I'm going to be at the party with you. And as you struggle to want to give food to these people because they were really mean to you, don't worry. I'm going to give you the love to give to them as well so that you want to offer up these things. And that person that slaps you as you're doing it, don't worry. I'm right there. And in the end, I'm going to bring justice to everything. And if that person doesn't recognize who I am, I'll bring justice in a different way. But here's the thing. I want to forgive them. So would you please serve them forgiveness? This is what our world is. This is what our calling is. And you're free. We're free to forget about ourselves so that more get to experience Jesus. You walking around with your platter, it's not about look how nice I am with my little platter. Look, I can balance two at the same time, one on my head. Not about that. It's about his goods being distributed through you. And I want to end with a, a story. I asked my, my son if I could share this story uh, this morning. But um, yesterday I had a parenting fail moment, right? You think, hey, Dwight, you've been uh, working through this text all week. You'd be looking for illustrations, ways to apply it. No, I failed yesterday. Let me share how. Um, we went to the bookstore because we've just been inside for a long time. Went to the bookstore and I said, kids, you can buy, you can buy one book, right? One book. I will buy you one book. Mom and I will buy you one book. And, um, and so one of my sons came to me and, uh, and said, Dad, I want this book. I'm like, great, awesome. Everyone had their books. We were all ready to go. Now, that is a feat in and of itself that everyone chose a book from a massive bookstore, right? Um, and no one was screaming or, or doing any of that. So we're just ready to leave. And then one of my sons comes, and he has a second book. And I feel like anger rising in me. I'm like, no, I said one book. And he said, um, Dad, I have this book, and I know my friend has been talking about this book. And I knew that to be true. And he's like, I want to use my own money to, to buy this book for them. Now, what I did was not the right thing. It was a good parenting moment still because I wanted to help them appreciate the fact that, you no, know, I'm buying you something, right? I want to be generous to you. So, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, then you can just use your money to buy that book and not my money, right? Like this, this whole weird thing that's going on. But what my son was actually doing was he was being self-forgetful. He's like, dad is taking care of me. Dad's already said he's going to buy me this book. I want to use my money that I would use to buy this book to buy someone else something. I'm going to use the resources that I have so that I can give something away, right? What my son was showing me yesterday, and I didn't realize until I was running this morning, was that this is how we're self-forgetful. He was taken care of by his dad and mom. 
And so he was now free to use the things that he already had to give something away. So now we're going to go back to the bookstore and get the book for that other friend. But this is self-forgetfulness. I am taken care of. I am fully taken care of by my dad. And now how can I take care of others? How can I take care of others? During the pandemic, this is huge, isn't it? How can we take care of other people? Your neighbors next door probably are hurting, probably going through some sort of, uh, whether clinical depression or just a depressed moment, probably going through loneliness, maybe self-medicating. And you've been placed next door with the goods of God. Now we have to be wise in how we, we do this at this time. But I don't think that Jesus has said, okay, church, this is a moment to retract. This is a moment for us to go into caves and go secret. I think this is a moment for the goods of Jesus to be served in the most profound ways that we've never seen it done before in our lives. Because we've never had to think outside the box. But I believe that the Spirit wants to give us wisdom in how we do this. So the questions are, where can you wash feet today? Where can you wash feet today? I saw a friend post on social media that there are all these openings, like paid openings, to be street workers with the homeless because they just can't hire enough people to care for the people who are on the streets. Like, you can get paid to do some of this stuff. Where can you wash feet today? Where can you wash feet today? And who is more important than you today? Who have you been elevating yourself over that you need to get below and say, I'm here to serve you and to be a slave to you and to do whatever it is that you need done. Now, I know that that can sound really bad and that can go wrong, but we have to hear it out of this, this lens that Jesus wants for you to serve his goods to these people, not, not be abused and not put yourself in abusive situations. And how can we intentionally live this regularly? You see, I think the church, the church is almost irrelevant in this city. No one, it, we're like an afterthought. Right? Oh, oh, yeah, we have to close worship spaces, too. I forgot about that. But the church, the church would be seen as good news if these things were true. If the church cared about the city and neighbors and friends and coworkers in this way, man, the church would be seen as good news. We'd be seen as, as partners that, that maybe even care for the well-being of the city more than the people whose job it is to care for the well-being of the city because the kingdom of God is moving in us and through us and into this city. And as we, get, um, as we get blamed for loving the city too much or being such good people, or oh, you're doing such good work, we get to blame all that on Jesus. No, 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 that wasn't me at all. That's the guy in the kitchen. That's the guy who's serving up all of the goods. And oh, by the way, he's right there too. And he's been watching you and he's been following you and he made you and he loves you and he wants for you to enter into his kingdom as well. But I would love during this, during this time, if what would characterize us as the people of God is that we were the most self-forgetful people, that we remembered our Savior, that we remembered who Jesus is and what he's done, and that caused us to be the most self-forgetful people who are looking for ways to give ourselves, our resources, our time, our presence away to others for their good, because that's Jesus' mission. So I know we're going to work through a lot of this stuff uh, on the Zoom. Uh, and let's get practical, right? Don't just keep this in admiration mode. 
wow, wouldn't that be awesome if the church was like that? Or, oh, I know of a church that was like that. No, let's, let's be the church that is that. Let's be the church that does these things because Jesus has done what we couldn't do for ourselves and has made us his people. Let me pray. Jesus, would you uh, fill us with your spirit? Would you fill us with excitement? Would you fill us with anticipation? Um, would you, uh, I, I know that we're, we're all in different places. Some of us are struggling a lot. Some of us are really elated. Um, and, and I pray that you would give us a great time with you that you would overwhelm us in, in very visceral ways with your presence, that you would give us time with one another, whether it be um, on Zoom, whether it be cross-country skiing or snowboarding or walking or whatever it is. Um, and then would you, give us, would you give us wisdom in how to care for our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers? Would you help us be employees that are caring for our employers in ways that they didn't even know that they needed care? Would you please put the gospel so deep in our hearts that we just, we really forget ourselves, but we remember you. We love you and we need you for everything. Amen.